Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Tangerine Palpatine to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is survivorship bias. The survivorship bias is, as the name suggests, a bias. Some places list this as a logical fallacy. And we had on episode 50, uh, Bo Bennett, the uh, author of Logically Fallacious, who, who insists that Logical fallacies come from biases, yep. come from our, our kind of cognitive biases. And so this is kind of on the on the cusp, really, of a, a cognitive bias that when you use it mm. as part of your reasoning yep. becomes a logical fallacy. Yep. And really, it is about, usually accidentally, doing a bit of a sampling error. Mm-hmm. Believing that you have a, a kind of fair sample that you're looking at, but actually you're you're missing something you're missing the fact that the reason you have the sample you have is because some of the things that might have had a different result aren't there anymore right oh okay so yeah so on an accidental basis it's kind of that but if you did it deliberately could it also be a sort of cherry picked yeah it can be it can be uh something where you've specifically chosen a biased Mm. sample yeah but yeah in this case it would be that you've chosen that sample because the people who are part of that sample or the the items that you're looking at have been selected for that reason, essentially. Right. There's some yep. reason yep. that they're there and, and the others yep. aren't. So you can't draw a generalisation to the entire yeah. population based on this particular population. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it's a... Yeah. Yeah. So our first example is pretty literal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it's a meeting that Trump had... Uh, with some survivors oh, of coronavirus. Well, thank you very much, everybody. This is a group of people who, uh, in many cases, became quite famous because they went through a lot having to do with the coronavirus, a tremendous amount, and uh, a lot of them were covered, and we know them from the media. They're, they've all got very interesting and very different stories to tell. And I thought what I'd do is I'd go around the room. It's an honor to have them at the White House. And they really are. They're very brave. Some were right at the edge. They thought it was over. There's a rough, a rough plague. I call it the plague. I call it the scourge. I call it whatever you want to call it. It's rough. It's bad. And uh, a woman that I've really found fascinating, and she's from uh, a state that's a great state and a city that's uh, been hit very hard, really very, very hard, uh, Detroit. Highly respected. She's a political person. She doesn't happen to be a Republican. And that's okay. When things aren't going good and you get a little help from a Republican, we'll take that too. So he rambles for a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he is he's introducing these kind of five or six people who are sitting around the table who have, who have all survived coronavirus. Yeah. And he talks to them about their experiences. And several of them talk about taking uh, hydroxychloroquine and other things that, you know, that Trump was touting yeah, along yeah. the way. Some sort of UV light, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's true of the Democratic uh, politician from Detroit that he introduced. She yeah. uh, sent her husband out to, to get um, some hydroxychloroquine. She recovered. 
she's now gone to the White House to say, yeah, I'm an example of yeah. the kind of person that you're talking about. Yeah. The problem here, obviously, is these don't represent um, not only not a cross-section of, of the USA, yeah. of, of people, they represent people who presumably are happy to sit in a room with Donald Trump. But one. Therefore, yeah. obviously more likely to accept his claims about various health things. Yeah. But it also is ignoring anyone who took hydroxychloroquine and died. Yes. These per are people force. who yeah. survived. Yeah. Taking hydroxychloroquine <laughs> yeah. and survived who also, COVID. Yeah, who yeah. also took hydroxychloroquine. That, yeah. that doesn't mean that because these people took it and also survived... That if you take it, you'll survive. Yeah. yeah. So that so because you can't, he can't talk to the ones who did. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because that. So if you're talking to literal survivors, that would be when you ought to be most on your guard, vis-a-vis <laughs> uh, the survivorship bias. You think, okay, so, uh, but he seems to be completely. Uh, well, you never know. No, you do know with Trump, he's just completely oblivious to the, the I- irony of it. That you're talking to these people with no sense that nothing. At no point does it cross his mind to go, "Oh, yeah, maybe of course these are all the survivors because the <laughs> ones that didn't survive aren't here to talk to." So you didn't survive? No, no, I died. Oh, okay, and how 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 did that happen? Well, I took this hydroxychloroquine, and it and it killed me. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So you wouldn't recommend it? No. Why is that then? Because it killed me. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Yeah, uh-huh. those people are just yeah, not a, in the equation, are they? They don't answer surveys or anything. No. It's very, they're very unhelpful. They're very, no, exactly. They don't participate yeah. or anything. You know, Democrats yeah. or Republicans, if they're <laughs> dead, they just don't join in. That's yeah. you know, and well, you know, so you kind of think, well, more for you because if you're not going to join in, then why should you reap the benefits that other people who are joining in are going to get? Yeah. 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 So on a on a similar note, yeah. when Trump uh, himself came down with COVID and then came out of hospital or was on on his way out of hospital, he uh, tweeted, "I will be leaving the Great Walter Reed Medical Center today at six thirty p.m. Feeling really good. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We have developed under the Trump administration some really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did twenty years ago." So that is. Um, Literally, survivorship bias on steroids. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes, quite. Because, yeah, because as we all know, everyone has got access to the Great Walter Reed Medical Centre and all of the care that, that can, they can provide to the likes of presidents. Yeah, because that's, that's yeah. what everybody gets under the American health system. doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a president or, a, or, or an ordinary person, you can get exactly the same level of medical attention that the Walter Reed affords. Mm. Yeah. And so obviously he can only say, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Having beaten it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, my, mind you, we, when we talked about him doing it, he obviously hadn't kind of beaten it completely because you, you spotted the old, Oh, he was, yeah, he was yeah, wheezing. An extract. Wheezing he, was, like a, he needed his he Ventolin. Great. Yeah. 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 But he was, um, yeah. But yeah, he, I mean, he says he felt, felt better than he did 20 years ago. Yeah, because he's on steroids, which make you feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't then drop all of his stuff about hydroxychloroquine or anything else. 
having come back from there, he didn't then tout, go get your vaccines. No, he was still pushing the, the kind of the fake cures. Yeah. And real cures, obviously, now available, or yeah. real vaccines, yeah. at least. Yeah. And various politicians are saying you should or shouldn't take vaccines. Weirdly split largely along party right. lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not always. Right. Because South Carolina Republican Nancy Mace, she says whether you should take vaccines or not, more based on which uh, news show she's on. Oh, okay. Right. If she's on Fox, she says really natural immunity is better. And if she's on CNN, she says, I always tell people they should take vaccines. <laughs> Literally the same day. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. But uh, this is from one of her appearances on Fox. One of the things that the CDC has not done and no, no policymaker at the federal level has done so far is taken into account what natural immunity does. And that may be what we're seeing in Florida today. Uh, in some studies that I've read, natural immunity gives you 27 times more protection against future COVID infection than a vaccination. And so we need to take all of the science into account and not selectively choosing what science to follow when we are making policy decisions. And you're seeing, I believe, Governor DeSantis is, uh, you know, seeing the fruit of that labor today. Yeah. So take all of the science into account. Mm-hmm. Don't pick and choose. Yeah. She is literally picking, picking one yeah. study. Yeah. One study yeah. that says different from all the other studies. Yeah. Which uh, which says that um, natural immunity is is 27 times better than vaccination. But, but only if you survive. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even other doctors who have said, okay, this study's interesting, yeah. but but risking your life to get that immunity isn't yeah. a great way to go. Yeah. But the study that she's citing, or, well, vaguely referencing... Yeah, God, some, some <laughs> things I have read, yeah. Yeah, is a, a preprint study. I, I, it was a, certainly a preprint when she talked about it. It was, print, it was uh, put up on a website in August. It hasn't been peer-reviewed as far as I can tell up to now. It hasn't been right. in a, a peer-reviewed journal. It was a retrospective study based on the databases of an Israeli healthcare system, right. um, Maccabee Healthcare Services, and they looked at 32,000 people, who uh, half of whom had had COVID, mm-hmm. and half of whom had been vaccinated against COVID. Right. And they looked over the kind of ensuing months after their either infection or vaccination over whether there were reinfections or breakthrough infections essentially in the two different groups and indeed they found uh, six to 13 times more likelihood of people getting infected if uh, they were vaccinated but hadn't had it before versus people who had had it before right Um, there were 27 times more symptomatic um, infections so when they just tested everyone they found 13 times more so there were a lot more asymptomatic infections among the previously infected group proportionally speaking but in both cases it was there was a higher rate of uh, infection among people who had been vaccinated than reinfection among people who had previously had covid so that does seem like what she's saying is true yeah this hasn't been borne out by other studies Mm -hmm. and if you look at the data of the study, there are some differences between those populations, the people who had been vaccinated and the people who'd previously had COVID, yeah. which is understandable because this uh, happened. They looked at the data starting about February, by which time a lot of people in Israel had been vaccinated. A lot of people who wanted to be vaccinated had been. Yeah. 
And the kinds of people who are more likely to choose to be vaccinated tend to be immunocompromised people. Right. Yeah. More yep. so, or people with underlying conditions. Yeah. So in the in the vaccinated group, there was, for example, twice more likelihood that those people would have had cancer or right. have cancer at the moment. Um, generally, the, the immunocompromised people and the uh, people with underlying conditions were much higher in the vaccinated group. The other thing is that, as you said, these people who have had COVID yep. are people who had it and survived, yeah. recovered. Yeah. Therefore, they're probably people with reasonably good immune systems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because cause all the people who had, uh, you know, immune problems or comorbidities or anything like that who got, got it COVID, before... Didn't survive. Didn't, yeah, yeah. A lot of them didn't survive yeah. to make it through to this retrospective study. Yes, yeah. So what they're looking at is is a group of people who have chosen to get vaccinated, many of whom have, you know, underlying conditions or comorbidities, versus a group of people whose immune system is good enough to have beaten the virus yes, yeah. on its own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are not two similar populations. I wonder whether there's also something about the behaviour post-vaccination versus the behaviour post-COVID infection. So if you've had COVID and recovered from it, whether you're less likely or whether that's reflected in the data, whether you're less likely to go and mix with other people having had COVID and not being vaccinated. Yeah, I can tell you that's not reflected in right, the data. Right, right. Um, yeah. and, and some of the um, the complaints about this study are that there is only so much um, kind of waiting you can mm. do when the two populations that you have are, are so different in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah, there's not that there's not a lot you can account for. There, there's a lot of stuff you can't account for in that data. There's a lot about those populations you don't know, but what you do know is that the that they have been selected differently. Yeah, they have they have yeah. not been selected in the same way. And when you try and do a, a a randomized control trial, you select all of your your participants in the same way. If you if you chose your participants for your control arm of your yeah. study in a different way to how you chose your yeah, participants yeah. that you were going to give a placebo or or the actual medicine that would pretty much invalidate the study yeah you have to do it yeah. in the same way you have to select from the same population you have to do it in in you know that way so the, these are two kind of distinct populations two distinct groups selected in different ways one of which consists of only people whose immune system is strong enough to beat the yeah, virus yeah yeah and so what they found was the symptomatic infections were therefore higher in the people who who had previously been vaccinated they were still low in both yeah. groups yeah and and that's also part of the problem they said uh, for example hospitalizations were eight times higher in uh, vaccinated people versus um previously infected people right but that was one previously infected person who went into hospital and eight vaccinated people so it's oh, not right. like that's like yeah. flipping a coin 10 times and saying well that's that's the odds then yeah 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 <laughs> yes no that's a false conclusion to draw isn't it's it? it's yes. really stretching how much you can yeah. draw from from that kind of data so far as far as i can tell this hasn't been published in a, in a journal and peer-reviewed 
I don't know if it will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it we, may be, who yeah. knows? But uh, yeah. but I don't think we can take from this that natural immunity is stronger than than vaccine immunity. No. Uh, and certainly that's not what the other science that has been published in peer-reviewed yeah, journals all of has, has found. Yeah. It seems to be weaker and also uh, wane quicker. Yeah. So. But we can take from it that that's definitely a survivorship bias going on. Yeah. Because you just go, well, let's look at all the people that survived it and, and then test it with people that didn't get COVID and didn't therefore have to bother about trying to survive. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, not quite right, is it? And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics corner. Well, I, I was wondering, in my explorations of this uh, bias, it, it occur, occurred to me... On the well, where are we? This is the, the day after we've had the the vote in the Commons, where um, Boris has, to a certain extent, survived a large rebellion from his MPs. And I was thinking about whether, when in British politics, when people survive a vote, whether that makes them. Whether whether the whole democratic thing gets applied, and so we just kind of go, okay, look, they won the vote, let's just carry on, and everybody else shut up, and that. Mm-hmm. So there's a, but there's a kind of a, yeah. Anyway, well, we'll get into it. So the reason, so the, my example was to go back to um, Theresa May. So this is on the day after he's lost from uh, hundred Tories, more than hundred Tories, defying the party line and voting against his plan B COVID tackling measures. I'm going to go back to December 2018 when Theresa May survived the vote of no confidence in her leadership, which followed opposition in her own party to her Brexit. So she survived with 200 votes to 117 of her own MPs voting against her. So there's there's two sets of views that turn up. Here's the views of MPs James Cleverly and Robert Robert Goodwill and Sarah Wollaston, who obviously voted in favour of her, i.e. against the motion of no confidence. So this is what they said uh, following that result. Confidence vote was called. The Prime Minister won it. A number of people who voted against her last night have already said this morning publicly that they respect the outcome of that result and that they are going to focus on delivering Brexit and working on behalf of the British people. She's so resilient. Indeed, yesterday we were getting emails coming in from not the usual suspects, but all sorts of people, including Labour voters, saying, stick by this woman, she's the only one that can get the deal over the line. And they can see this determined woman who's going across to Brussels at the end of this week. And there will be no doubt that uh, there's a lot of concern in this country about the deal, particularly about the Northern Ireland backstop. And, uh, you know, so she's actually in some ways in a strong position to negotiate because she can demonstrate how much concern there is this side of the water. The Conservative Party decided not to form a circular firing squad. The Conservative Party decided to keep with the Prime Minister we have. And nobody doubts her sense of dedication and, uh, and uh, public service and duty. Well, except they do, because you know, 117 <laughs> of them doubted Yeah, it. yeah. So, they, so they, they all adopted the right, she survived, let's get on with it stance. And you know, she's in a powerful position of having survived. She's even stronger than she was before. But also note the somewhat generic do her duty and British people kind of rhetoric. So one of the problems with the survivor bias is that those who didn't survive, uh, or who weren't on the side of the survivor 
i.e. the people that voted against her in this case, they don't count. That's the that's kind of the that's the we've acknowledged that that the survivor bias is that anybody who isn't um, in your select group doesn't count towards. Yeah, the yeah. Thing. Sarah Wollaston there is basically saying the Conservative Party is behind Theresa May. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a significant proportion of them were not. Exactly, they're not. So they're uh, the only of, ones that matter. But the and but and also that the uh, um, and within. UK politics itself, it seems that the democratic acceptance of majority rule, which is kind of, you know, like the whole Brexit thing, well, you know, more people voted to leave than, <laughs> and, and in the democratic thing, we have to kind of, so all you lot that didn't vote leave, you've got to shut up now. You know, you lost. Keep quiet. Um, so that it applies when when it's written by the winners. That's the thing, isn't it? Mm. And um so because so within UK politics it doesn't really apply and the losers slash non-survivors uh, ideas they just don't perish. So let's have a listen. So this is the other side of the coin and this is what they're saying. Uh, well, I think it's a remarkable result. Um, 117 Conservative MPs have said they don't have confidence in the Prime Minister. That is over a third of the entire parliamentary party. It's well over half of the Tory backbenches when you take out what's called the payroll vote or the ministers and aides, you know. You know, among the backbench infantry, over half have lost confidence in her, you know. So from the Prime Minister's point of view, this is a pretty devastating outcome. The problem is for the Prime Minister, more than a third of the parliamentary party has voted against her. Um, half, the parliament, half the parliamentary party is payroll, has jobs. So clearly the vast bulk of backbenchers voted against her. And the key thing is... In 2017, after that terrible general election result, she came to the same committee room and said, I will only lead the party if I have the support of the parliamentary party. When you've got more than a third voting against her, she clearly hasn't got the support of the party. In my view, she needs to sleep on this overnight and decide, in the interest of the party, but more importantly, in the interest of the country, we need to have a new leader who can unify the Conservative Party and unify the country. Yeah, that didn't happen either. So, <laughs> so that's Marc Francoise, who was first, and Peter Bone there, who are actually spelling out the problem of relying on the survivorship bias. You know, the, she survived. We can now discount all those um, people who voted the other way. We'll just go with those who voted for her. And actually, the, it kind of bubbles underneath. So there's Sarah Williston saying the Conservative Party backed her and there's peter bone saying she said she'd go if she hasn't got the backing of the of the <laughs> parliamentary conservative party and so she ought to go um and indeed after four votes against her brexit deal which we've covered before in this um section um she eventually announced her resignation in may 2019 and the poison chalice passed to boris who now having had a similarly sized defeat in the Commons is probably on alert for future no confidences if ever I saw them. So I'm going to finish this bit with another clip. This is Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is an 18th century throwback Tory MP. He's the father of the House and he's a member of the European Research Group and a hateful, supercilious Lord Snooty figure. All of the above is true. And it was he who instigated the vote of no confidence against Theresa May. And here he is in 2018 after that vote and speaking the day before the COVID Plan B vote um, where all those people rebelled against Boris this week. 
This is a very bad result for the Prime Minister. 117 votes against her, much worse than she thought. A third of the parliamentary party, the overwhelming majority of backbenchers have voted against her. So the message today to Theresa May is that she has lost her moral and political authority, even if she's got a slightly bigger number. I have some experience of this. It is a very difficult thing to do. You may remember um, uh, with the previous incumbent. Well, you will um, also, you'll also remember that sometimes um, these things take time, but sometimes these I, things I, happen the, the, in the end. I didn't get the letters that um, people said they had written. The, the letters did go in in the end, didn't they? But that was in a very different circumstance. That with was... A, complete um, collapsed government policy and its most important policy. So that was only a little while later, I think, six months uh, or so. Uh, um, uh, well, the, the, the vote came uh, a few weeks later and obviously Theresa May then won it. Yeah, but having... And then so he said, yeah, well, she came later and then she won it, which so <laughs> she kind of survived it. But he, he was party to the to reason to get rid of her because... He, with the European Research Group, which neither European nor does it do research, not much of a group either, um, were the people who wanted the hardest possible Brexit and no deal to be brokered with the EU, despite Theresa May doing two or three attempts and despite Boris actually getting Brexit done, ha-ha, on the basis of just a warmed-up version of Theresa May's thing. So he kind of says, yes, she survived... And the circumstances are completely different now. She lost the confidence of the party in a in a major uh, policy decision at the centre of government, which is exactly what's happened to Boris. Mm. And so the kind of the writings on the wall, that whole thing that, well, he's... In, and what's happened just now with Boris's getting the COVID measures through is that his his vote, his his measures survived the bill survived because labor backed it because it seems it's this kind of weird thing where they want to put measures in to protect the public against the spread of of the omicron variant and having to cancel christmas so they are reintroducing face masks in public and limiting gatherings and getting people to work from home and half of the tory party voted against that because they don't want to protect the public. I don't know. Or, they, or they're just thumbing their nose at Boris. But he's survived it because Labour do want to be seen to be the ones protecting the public. However, so the bill survives, whether Starmer's reputation does or whether Boris's does is another question entirely. But they, But it is interesting looking at the... And we've got a by-election coming up this week, so I'm sure there's going to be everybody scrambling to do that selective um, testing. They'll just everyone will will win. Somebody will lose the by-election. Somebody <laughs> will get elected, but everyone will win because they. Will, yeah, I think you see win. it every every yeah, election. Yeah, it's it's people. You know, you you end up with the Lib Dems who lose. 50 seats going, well, it was it was a lot better result than we were expecting today. Yes, yeah, you know, we've yeah. done very, very well, considering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think this time they're going to, you know, they will gain an enormous amount of seats. They probably won't win. The Tories will still keep the seat and mm. thereby survive the by-election, but it, by the, a narrow margin. And Boris will be breathing a sigh of relief so that he can survive another day. But it is, yeah, it's quite... 
this kind of selective it's rife with the more you look at it <laughs> the more it's there and people will lie that they will you know um hitch their trailer to the survivor for only for so long as it suits them so all the kind of the They've they made a lot with the Theresa May of all the backbenchers and not the people who's, who are salaried. They discounted the people that were salaried who voted against her. <laughs> you know, because you kind of think, well, what? Well, is that because they'll get paid whoever's in? I, it's presumably just a bit of p-hacking so that you can kind of look at the data and say, okay, how can we say more than half of them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. we remove this group yeah. here for some reason, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, that's what we can so, say. So it is a, it's an interesting version that the Theresa May one because actually she was brought down eventually, even though she won the vote, she was brought down by the fact that lots of people voted against her. And so that, you know, her kind of going, Well I've won, let's just get on with it <laughs> didn't didn't save the day. Yeah. And the run up to Christmas, who could, we can't, you know, they're playing it in all the shops now. The Slade and Merry Christmas, everybody there. So in the fallacy in the world, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from Pirates of the Caribbean. This is where Jack Sparrow is in in a prison and uh, hears kind of cannon fire from outside. It's the Pearl. Black Pearl. I've heard stories. She's been preying on ships and settlements for near ten years. Never leaves any survivors. No survivors. Then where do the stories come from? I wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've it's often an we've, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've often cited that. I'm, I'm sure that's a very familiar thing, and you kind of go, "Oh yeah, that's you know, oh yeah." Well, I've yeah, I've heard people they've they've come back and they've never they've never come back alive. That's it. Well. Hmm. We get the stories in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, essentially, this is just because, as you kind of alluded to earlier on, uh, history is written by the winners. There you go. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, where are you getting these stories from? Yeah. They have to be from survivors. Yeah. Um, and and so the, the sampling that is being done in listening to those stories is is you're not hearing from the people who got killed, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, great. They were great. They brought peace. Yeah. Uh-huh. They brought peace. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. Well, yeah, quite. So all the people that got raped, pillaged and blown up and stuff. Yeah. They don't they, get to tell their story. They don't get to tell the tale. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so our second example comes from the Mickey yep. Rourke movie, The Wrestler. Uh, and in this scene, uh, he is uh, with Marissa Tomei in a bar. <laughs> right from the beginning That you would end up winning I knew right from the start You put an arrow through my heart <laughs> Round and round yeah. So they don't make them like they used to is a phrase that often gets applied to media, be it music or films yeah. or books or uh, also sometimes buildings, um, yeah. cars, all kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, what people are comparing usually when they say something like that is all of the stuff that's around today compared to the stuff that has survived, the stuff we're yeah, still yeah, yeah. watching, <laughs> reading, listening to, driving yeah. or living in, <laughs> yeah. that, that was built years ago or that was put together years ago. So, yeah, the, the, the 80s music we're still listening to today is inevitably better than the average of the crap that is around today because yeah. it's survived 40 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the trouble but is, there was also, plenty of crap. Yes, exactly. It's also better than the average <laughs> crap. So it was, uh, yeah, yes. In fact, one of one of my go-to tunes for this being the survivorship bias was obviously something by Survivor, yeah. Eye of the Tiger. I was a little but, bit disappointed to be. Well, well, but so I thought <laughs> I thought it was Slade is high enough to sing, but Eye of the Tiger, bloody <laughs> impossible. Absolutely, I just was not going to attempt that. Couldn't. Can do it, and also I can't stand the video when they they're trying to be tough by zipping up their jackets all the way to the top. <laughs> nobody does that. Have you never watched Happy Days? That's that's not cool. Just ask the Fonz. Yeah, so couldn't couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. But but you're right. There is that meme that that does the rounds. I belong to a a Facebook group that kind of celebrates mid-century modern furniture. And it often talks about how well built it is, but it's only looking at the well-built stuff because that's the only stuff that survived. Absolutely. And also, and also, there's a and there's sometimes some guest memes from other, the, like the American equivalent atomic living stuff. So with all the kind of uh, the fantastical designs from the fifties, which and one of them's a, a fridge. So it's like this big refrigerator. So there's one. Top half of the meme is a you know a white goods that you get these days, and it says, "Yeah, I've, I've conked out again. You'll have to buy another one." And the one below says, "I am, you know, still going strong from 1956. <laughs> I am, I am time itself. I will outlive <laughs> you all." And people go, "Yeah, you see, you see," but they're only, they're, but you're only comparing the one that has survived since 1953. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah really, the, way the only, there were the only some reason other people ones. have the new ones is because their old ones stopped working <laughs> yeah, at some point. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yep. Otherwise, we we we'd only still have the old ones. Yeah. Well, it, actually, this this segues in. Let's hop into the one that I kind of come up with. It, it, this reminds me of um, there was an episode of QI, which is a show on it's probably on BBC.com. 
and there was one about eyes and ears, and I'm sure it was in there, but I couldn't find it having watched the entire episode. But there was a bit where Stephen Fry alluded to this notion that um, people's ears and noses keep growing as throughout your life. Um, so, which is why older people have got big ears and big noses. So, and they've put up a picture of Stan Laurel, who you know got big ears and big nose, and Jimmy Durante started off with a big nose, and um, but he said, well, maybe it's just something to do with big ears predicting survival, so that people with smaller ears die younger. <laughs> like big ears give you some kind of. <laughs> Yeah, selection bias. Yes, exactly. yeah, somehow right? you <laughs> okay. can hear things coming, so you run the other way or something like that. So uh-huh. that you know, the, he he was saying, well, perhaps it's a fallacy. He probably would have used that word. He's a learned man, um, you know. But it's possibly not that ears and noses keep growing throughout your life. It's just that people who have smaller ears and smaller noses die younger. <laughs> so yeah, it's so a I, theory. It is a theory, and I, I do one, feel and it like... didn't lead me to measure my ear and write it down when that one went out. Yeah, I do feel like that is reasonably easy to check by looking at pictures of Stan Laurel when he was young to see if he had True. big ears. But yeah, although yeah. no, that's yeah, that that, that would, would tell that you would whether his ears have grown or whether yes. he had big ears and then survived and therefore survived. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which but yeah, it, it would builds... be difficult to do if you just measured old people's ears. That wouldn't tell you yes. necessarily. What... No, it wouldn't. No. Yeah, you have to. You have you, to do a longitudinal you, study. Find, yeah, or you'd have to find old people with small ears. You know. Yeah, that... I mean that wouldn't disprove it. Obviously, that would just be no. an anomaly. Yes, exactly. Data. Yeah, which it kind of fills me with dread, really, because that means possibly Rishi Sunak is going to live to be a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yep. what the uh, lifespan is for a Ferengi generally. Oh, well, exactly, yeah. yeah. I don't know, yeah. For, I, can't, I can't remember. Mm. 400 years, yeah. maybe, something like that. Something they, they probably negotiate a better yeah. deal on that, yeah. yeah. So our, our final example in this section yep. comes from real life. And this, to be honest, is probably the example that you've seen if you've seen anything about survivorship bias yep. uh, on the internet. Um, you may not know that this is it, but you'll probably recognise the image that usually goes with it, which is a plane with some dots on it. Um, because this is the story of Abraham Wald, who was a, a European um, mathematician who went to work uh, for the Statistical Research Group in the US during the world war, in fact, during the, the late 30s. And uh, the SRG were the people who did all the maths for the army basically, in the Air Force and the, the U.S. military. They kind of decided how much fuel should be taken on missions to, to minimise the kind of weight of the planes and that kind of thing to, to make sure that it was all um, optimised for people going out and coming back safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the military, the, the Air Force, came to the SRG with um, what they thought was an, uh, a fairly straightforward problem, really, yeah. which was that they were looking to... Um, to improve the number of planes that they got back from bombing missions and things like that. Right. Um, And they had been doing some analysis on the bullet holes that were in the planes um, to to see where they could put more armour on the planes because they didn't want to armour the whole plane because obviously that adds a lot of weight, you need more fuel, takes, you know, the plane can't go as fast or fly as high and that kind of thing. So they wanted to armour the plane strategically to make sure that it gave the best chance for their 
their pilots to to survive. And so what they did is they looked at where the bullet holes were and they noticed that per square foot there were uh, 1.11 bullet holes in the engine on average, Mm -hmm. uh, 1.73 in most of the fuselage, Uh, 1.55 bullet holes in the fuel tank, fuel system generally, and and 1.8 over the rest of the plane. Mm -hmm. So they were looking at basically armouring the the fuselage and and places like that because that's where they seem to have the most bullets. Right. Abraham Wald pointed out, as a statistician, that they were doing it exactly wrong. Yes. And what they wanted to do was put put armour where there weren't any bullet holes or where there were the fewest bullet holes. Yeah. Because it wasn't that planes were getting shot less in those areas. It's that when the planes were getting shot in those areas, they weren't coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So so they weren't sampling those when they were doing their test. Yeah. Um, And... The the basically the kind of the the way they did it is by by assuming that the probability of a plane getting hit on any given point on the plane is roughly equal. There's no particular reason, you know, the the people firing at the planes aren't that good that they can fire at specific bits of the plane. So probably the bullet holes are spread equally around the plane. So the fact that you're seeing less bullet holes in the engine doesn't mean that the engine's getting hit less. It just means that if you hit the engine that they pilot don't come back. Yeah. Isn't coming yeah. back. Yeah. 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 Ah, it's exa- yes, quite. Wow. So because they're only working on the data that they've got, which is yeah. the planes that have come the back. planes that come back. And they're going, right, okay, so the, these planes are therefore representing all planes, so therefore we will use this as our um, generic model and do that, whereas he's the one to say, yeah, so the ones that are aren't being hit in these places are the ones that are not coming back. So therefore, we ought to put it where the bullets aren't hitting. Yeah. Yeah. What so they what brilliant. they found basically was that because there's actually reasonably large amount of of um, holes in the fuselage, mm-hmm. that indicates that you can get hit quite a lot in the fuselage and still make still it home. The, yes. And that yeah, so yeah. that's fine. You don't need to worry too much about that. About that bit. Yeah. 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 Yes, ironic that he died in an air crash. Yeah, yeah. As well. In Not the, shot yeah. down, though. No. So well, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's quite. <laughs> so before we move on to fake news this week, uh, just time to give you an update on uh, our Patreon poll that we ran, both on our Facebook yep. group and on Patreon, to ask you guys what we should be doing now that we finished our book, uh, book club on QAnon. And, I think book is a um, generous term. Well, yeah, but, the yeah. collection of, of <laughs> nonsense that was written about QAnon it was all that we discussed. in one place. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some of you answered on Facebook, some of you answered on Patreon. Thank you very much for your feedback. And we got a resounding consensus yeah. that you are all different. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. Bonus points to anyone who shouted, I'm not. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so... What we've decided to do is actually not pick a thing that we're going to do, but pick multiple things yep. that we're going to do. So we are going to look at a book. We're going to look at Mary Trump's book about Trump, which was recommended by patron Tash Pine. Thank you for that. Is that the one I was so denigrating about before it was even published? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, we're also going to occasionally, kind of in between doing that, look at some right-wing YouTube channels, maybe like Liz Crokin, Stephen Crowder, people like that, yep. and just talk about what they talk about, nonsense uh, that it probably is, and, and see if we can debunk anything or just let you know yeah. what they're saying. So that you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, because we did get some good feedback about some of our uh, kind of film breakdowns, like Wonder Woman 84, for example, uh, we're going to do some... Uh, some of those, some reviews, some kind of uh, deep dives, I guess, into films that are at least slightly tangentially related to Trump that we can kind of that we can make an argument for being related to Trump. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, who are we? Who are who are you guys to disagree? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we're actually going to start with. Is the the yep. first thing we're going to do is look at the uh, new version of Home Alone, Home Sweet Home Alone. Uh, which which we can tie to Trump because he was in Home Alone 2, lost in New York, obviously. Exactly, yeah. And as it's Christmas, what yep. we're going to do for this first one is actually put it out on the main feed for everyone. So you're all going to get to listen to us talk about Home Sweet Home Alone. Uh, but but after that, all of the stuff, the any other films we do, all the, the Mary Trump book and the right-wing YouTube stuff, that'll be for patrons only. So if you're interested in hearing all that, patreon.com slash ftrump sign up yeah and and that will give you access to the library of previous films we've, absolutely we've torn apart and <laughs> gone mad and books as and a result stuff. of and books <laughs> and stuff yeah so yeah there's not just stuff to look forward to there's stuff to look back over as well hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks i love the game it's a great game i understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. You see, I've decided that the 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 thing about this game is that it's only winnable by those who stay in the game. That's true. Yeah, if, <laughs> if, if you died, I'd have to stop playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. But if... uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, you see? So, think on. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, this week, they are very short uh, snippets of Trumpian stuff. I think that's going to make it harder. And and these are all where Trump has had fun with double negatives. Obviously, the most famous example is when he was in Helsinki and he he was talking about the, the Russians interfering and he said he didn't know why it would be russia but then he clarified that clearly what he actually meant was he didn't know why it wouldn't be yeah Um, yeah yeah after the spin doctors ran around like mad things for a year and a half yeah but that's not one of the examples right because i figured you probably have heard that one yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh example number one he was asked a question in the press conference about whether uh dr fauci was on board whether he agreed with Trump's plan to reopen um, the country during COVID. And Trump said, well, he doesn't not agree. I mean, we had a long talk. <laughs> Does he agree? Well, he doesn't not agree. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't not agree. Right. Nobody says not agree. They say disagree. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we had a long talk. And throughout that, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't not agree he, with me. He didn't. <laughs> he did not agree with me. Yeah. He. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, right. Okay, number yeah. two. I think this might actually be a triple negative. Okay. He says, um, this was about Russia, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he says, there's no way that you can't look at this and say it wasn't a hoax. A totally untrue hoax. Like, as opposed to a true hoax. Okay, so that, that, which in itself is a oxymoron, if not a double uh-huh. negative. There's no way that there's no way that you can't look at this and say that it wasn't. Well, it's just what? <laughs> what on earth does he mean? It's brilliant because it's completely meaningless, <laughs> isn't it? It fills up the space th- that would be taken up by a statement for this, but it's not even plausible deniability because there's nothing. Being, there's no way you can't, I can't do it. It's three dimensional chess, Jim. And it's, I can't do it. Sorry. And statement number three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this was a statement put out on what used to be his Twitter, but is now just someone writing stuff down. Yeah. Um, he said, anybody that doesn't think there wasn't massive election fraud in the 2020 presidential election is either very stupid or very corrupt. Doesn't think there wasn't. Who thinks there was? What? Anybody who doesn't think there wasn't, anybody who does think there was, is very stupid. No, wait, because no. So if you actually, if you, you know, it's like doing a an equation, isn't it? So you just go, okay, I'll just cross off the negatives and just for anybody that doesn't think there was, okay, I've just. I'm still reeling from nowhere. You can't look and say it wasn't. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. It's They're harder when they're shorter. <laughs> doesn't not agree. I mean, we had a long talk. It doesn't not agree. Okay. I am... Erring is probably the right word. <laughs> leaning towards two, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe two is the one that you made up. So you you don't think one is untrue? I don't. <laughs> it isn't true to say that I <laughs> aren't agreeing with that. Uh. I, yeah, so I don't think number one isn't true, and you don't think number three isn't untrue. No, it is untrue. Shit, I'm not. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't, <laughs> you, it can't be said about me that but I you, don't say that yeah. it's not. Yeah, yeah, so I don't think number but three you, isn't. But you don't true. think two isn't untrue. So, which of the one and three do you think is not the least true? <laughs> no, I, I think I'm. I don't think. That number one isn't the one that I think is less true. Okay. Well, number one yeah. is yeah real. Does he agree with you about the need to reopen the economy soon? Well, he doesn't uh, not agree. I mean, we had a long talk. And... Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't not, not agree. agree. <laughs> doesn't not agree. Well, so yeah. Okay, but does he agree? Do you see that it is, it just is not agreeing? Just he either yeah, agrees he, or he doesn't. Yeah, it's like he doesn't not agree. Well, he didn't say he disagreed. Yeah, but but it's more than it's more than the binary, isn't it? You kind of you've actually got to agree. You've got to say yes, you're right about that. But <laughs> with well, yeah. So what did he say then? If he didn't say I disagree with you or we shouldn't do that, what did he say? Well, he doesn't not agree. 
Well, yeah, he does not agree. <laughs> so he's making that up. Yeah. Is it, isn't it true that you're not telling the truth there, sir? Hmm. Okay, right. So right. You're, you also don't think that number three isn't real. And number three yeah. Yeah. is yeah. real. Oh. That is a statement that was put out by, no you know, from shit. the desk of Donald Trump. Yeah, but that uh, doesn't... But it doesn't. No, it does even, not mean what he thinks it no. means. No, <laughs> anybody that anybody that does, if you don't think there wasn't, then you're stupid. If you don't think there wasn't, then you're stupid. So that means if you do think there was, then you're stupid. Yeah, yeah. So, or very so, corrupt. Or very corrupt. Yeah. Ah. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's just is that from the desk of Donald Trump? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. Anybody that doesn't think there wasn't is you're either stupid or corrupt. Yeah. Well, yeah. So if you don't think there wasn't, if you don't think, <laughs> if you, you see, it does tie you up in knots. But it's clearly you just need to take it's you know the two negatives make positive. Yeah, they cancel. Yeah. So anybody that thinks there was massive election fraud is either very stupid or very corrupt. Well, yeah. Well. There you go. They're from the desk of Donald Trump. <laughs> yep. That there is it says it right there in uh -huh. in flipped black and white. Hmm. I, I can't yeah. believe Which that. Which means put that, that even though right. these were much shorter and therefore much harder, you still hey. managed to, to beat me on that one. Ah. Number two was was uh not um true. It was untrue. A totally wow. untrue hoax. But it's fake news. But it is nicely, yeah. nicely done. There's no way that you can't look at this and say it wasn't. No way. I'm, I, to be honest, I'm not quite sure what it means. What it, no. <laughs> but, it's, but it doesn't matter because it looks perfectly Trump-like <laughs> as a result. Yay! All righty. So that puts you at now 41 out of 79, which is uh, like way over 50% and, and definitely the best you've ever done. So Yeah. Up to now, we just have to keep. You yeah. see, if you keep yeah. winning, if you keep playing, you <laughs> keep playing. It's the only way to guarantee that you get another turn. <laughs> yeah. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Omicron is not a logical fallacy, because I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a new variant in town. Yeah, And naturally, yep. some people are being a little bit cautious and some people yep. are instantly deciding that there's nothing to worry about. It's perfectly fine. This is all a hoax. This it's is all, all made up. Yep. This is all something that is, you know, a, a conspiracy. Yeah. So basically, we don't really know much about Omicron at the moment. Yeah. Um, it came, it, it kind of came to global um consciousness at the end of november yeah kind of 20 25th 26th of november something like that yep maybe even slightly later than that normally for at least delta and the previous variants of note there's a kind of there's a lag between rising cases and hospitalizations and then a further lag before deaths and so we are still in that period of um cases are definitely growing We've, yep. and, it, and it certainly appears to be significantly more transmissible than previous variants. But we don't know what effect that is going to 
ultimately have on hospitalizations and deaths because we're in that period now where that is mm. probably starting to show and we don't have the data yet yeah yep. hasn't stopped lots of people from weighing in and saying what they think yeah exactly <laughs> of filling up the thing because i guess because so, what was what happened was they identified a variant in south africa and the south african government health ministers reported it to the world health organization said there is a new variant that we've discovered we need we don't know how severe it is we don't know what the transmission rate is like but it's definitely a new variant you need to know about that and governments are well they've reacted they've either gone one way which is to say oh well we'll just we'll do nothing same as last time or <laughs> they've moved to get right well we're not going to get caught with our trousers down this time we're going to do something quickly and put lots of um measures in place in case in case yeah yeah, yeah. uh within a week it was the doctor the gp in in south africa who first alerted the authorities to some unusual symptoms in some of her patients has uh, kind of come out and said everyone's being crazy this is you know the symptoms that i've seen are very mild yeah in you know a reasonably small number of patients that she's actually seen mm. and again within a week of noticing these symptoms she's saying this yeah. which is way too early to be able to say yeah. that those cases aren't going to develop into something worse you know it can be yeah. three weeks between infection and, and hospitalization and so on yeah. so um but obviously the right leapt on that and said look even the person who first found, found it, it is saying is this is very yeah, mild yeah. we don't need to worry about it it's ridiculous everyone's yeah. gone crazy yeah but obviously because it's because because the right wing yeah there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of conspiracy theories a, yeah a, a very a, a surprising for the amount of time it's been out surprising number of different competing conspiracy theories yes yeah. yeah yeah they're the kind of fight yeah it's kind of in a way it's a it's a bit like well where the where the word meme comes from is that kind of no notion that there's this this um sort of uh artificial created thing that will regenerate which because it comes from gene gene and meme and then there's this Omicron conspiracy version is a many-headed thing, just yeah. like the Omicron is, and and it's much more transmissible. It seems like almost immediately, the thing was announced. Conspiracy theories arrived and have and have blossomed and <laughs> reproduced and multiplied, pretty much like the Omicron itself. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So pretty much straight away, Ronnie Jackson, former pill pusher to Donald Trump. Um, he he tweeted, uh, "Here comes the MEV, the midterm election variant." Yeah. Who he's a doctor. This guy yeah. said that they need a reason to push unsolicited nationwide mail-in ballots. Democrats will do anything to cheat during an election, but we're not going to let them. Mm. It's a year before the midterms. Yeah, this would be a stupid time to in, to introduce yeah. a new variant if that was your cause. If exactly. that was what you were trying to do. Yeah. Also, it's undeniable that this is bad for Biden. Yeah. His Biden basically ran on, I will get coronavirus under control. Yeah. There's, you, there, yeah, what logic is there that says, oh, this <laughs> is, yeah, let's just make it all much worse all over again and have a, yeah. another massive wave of new 
um, new infections. And, and also, the Democrats aren't the ones that have been proven, and we'll talk about that later, uh-huh. proven to have cheated in the elections. Well, yeah, yeah, there's that too. You know, that's a, <laughs> so it's a kind of a, it's, it's just peddling the same thing as a bit like the Tories and saying, yeah, yeah, we're good with the economy. You go, all right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's so there's that there's them then saying that it is a, a political thing, ignoring obviously yeah. the fact that it didn't start, or at least it wasn't identified in the US. No, you know, no. it's we here in the UK, believe it or not, don't really care much about your midterm elections. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so we're not going to kind of you know go go on lockdown and, and instigate Plan B and um, potentially cancel Christmas so that. In eleven months' time, your time. midterm elections are screwed up. Yeah, um, that isn't really how that works. Mm. Um, but there's also, I mean, there's there's a few that I don't even think really anyone believes, like the fact that <laughs> Omicron is an anagram yeah. of of moronic. Moronic, I love that. I yeah. don't. Yeah. That can't. That must just be people seeing it and thinking, oh, that's a bit funny. They don't, no one can possibly think that means anything, can they? Well, it's the same people that think that the O, M and I in Omicron stands for occlusion myocardial infarction. See, that is amazing. That's brilliant. That that does seem... I don't know if it's the same people. We had this uh, fallacy already. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. it the same people? Maybe. But, um, the yeah, the O, M and I thing, that's just like, how did the ancient Greeks know? Yeah, how would they know <laughs> the, about... The... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is for anyone who doesn't know, and I, th- I think that's probably not that many people, uh, kind of people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> they're they're being named sequentially as yeah. new variants emerge. Yeah. The reason that we've only really heard of of kind of alpha, beta, gamma, delta, omicron, and it's leapt to omicron, is because all of the other ones from epsilon through to new have been unproblematic. Yeah, um, omicron appears to have uh, several um, mutations, which, first of all, make it much more transmissible. It seems early anecdotes suggest that the symptoms are different. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a death in the UK from Omicron, so uh, it certainly isn't safe. It may, yeah. be, it may be less severe than Delta. Um, but... The thing is, as as I was actually, I was watching um, Sajid Javid, the health minister, yeah. uh, answering questions, and he made some actually good points. Um, usually, arguing with his backbenchers on his party, <laughs> Labour were mostly going, "Yeah, you go on, Sajid, you're doing the right thing." Yeah. Um, the Conservatives were kind of were pushing back, but he was saying, "Yes, okay, maybe it is less severe than Delta, but even if the it causes half as many hospitalizations or half." Mm. Um, or, or hospitalization stays that last half as long, therefore not disrupting the NHS as much, if it is significantly more transmissible and infects more than twice as many people, that that outweighs that benefit. Yeah. So we still need to stop the spread of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So, because the number is going to be the ultimate number of impact on the health service is going to be yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. If it's if it's much less severe, but still dangerous to some people, mm. but but also way more trans- transmissible, yeah, yeah. that's that's potentially another problem that is on a par with Delta, and Delta is not good. 
You know, it's not we haven't yeah. got Delta under control. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's so, gone away, so we could just swap yeah. for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we again, we still don't know enough about it, but yeah, to suggest that that the naming of it in any way is relevant to the fact you know that it's a hoax or the fact that it is designed to do certain things or yeah. it's just it's this idea that the right have that that the secret cabal who really rules yeah. the world yeah. cannot help themselves hide from, things in from plain kind of dropping clever yeah. clues like a batman <laughs> villain exactly yeah yeah such that only the completely deranged conspiracy theorists can see them so they become part of the you know that's the, only they can decode it it's the, the same stuff you know if you can stand it people go listen to us reading <laughs> the QAnon book because there are fair, several chapters in there of these people that do exactly that yeah. they're the kind of the numerologists of old that will just find one thing and make it mean something else and then try and sell you that meaning as patently obvious via some sort of coding system that is broken and doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, and suits their their ends, which is to aggrandize themselves mainly. That seems to be all it's about. Yeah, yeah. So these competing competing <laughs> conspiracies. It's a, no, no, my conspiracy is better than your one. Everybody, look at mine. Yeah, so um, Candace Owens, for example, um, speaking of competing conspiracies, um, (laughs) her her post said that COVID uh, that um, Omicron was being used to usher in a totalitarian new world order. Um, Uh, It is it is being is basically being used to enforce another lockdown and frighten people into getting vaccinated. Um, Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. As soon I mean, as somebody puts New World <laughs> Order in something, you just go, yeah, yeah. no, you've lost me. You lost me at New World Order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, it, it, you wonder how deep it goes with these people, which yeah. bit of it they believe and which bit they don't believe. And if there's, I mean, I'm, I would say it's, I'm skeptical how genuine they are in their rhetoric. I don't yeah. know that they believe everything they say. Yeah. Um, but uh, but if if it was to frighten people into getting vaccinated, and we had the 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 government, the left, had the ability to do that to to create to release a variant mm. to do that. Yeah. Is that worldview accepting of the fact that we're trying to get people vaccinated? because the delta variant is real and dangerous and therefore releasing a less dangerous version which is more transmissible will get people to get vaccinated and therefore not get delta or are they saying that the vaccination itself is somehow evil as i know some of these people believe yeah yep. um weirdly they somehow believe ben uh, bill gates rather is um is putting chips in people despite every I mean, there's a supply chain problem and a massive global chip shortage. Yeah. There's no way Bill Gates could get enough chips to to put one in every vaccine. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And I'm not sure that the technology is is there to make them small enough yet. They're they're, they're bulky. You'd feel it going in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You'd need a fairly. (laughs) It'd be like passing a kidney stone, but in (laughs) reverse. Yeah. 
But, you know, and to get that in, it's got to go through a glass needle that you yeah. surely spot the size of, you know, that, you know, or not, or, or you know, yeah. not a glass needle. But, the, yeah, it, it could sit probably in a syringe fairly unnoticed, but you've got to get that fairly bulky-ish thing, unless it's a nanobot. Ah, well, ah, there you go. It's a well, yeah, there's thing. nanobots. Yeah. There's also yeah. aliens, of course. You've got to accept uh, that, that yeah. there, are, there, are, there are people who claim that the, the right. thing, the organism that is yeah. being injected into people with the vaccine is some kind of either alien or liquid metal type right. bacteria thing. Right. Yeah. Um, there is, yeah. in fact, a, there's a film uh, from 1963 called Omicron. Oh, yeah. Uh, where, which is about, it's an Italian film about uh, a, an alien taking over a dead body and kind of like, you know, body snatchers style. Right. Getting up and walking around. Um, and there are people online who are saying, look, this is what's this is, going on. This is what's going on. This is um, it. They kind of flagged yeah. it in 1963 in Italy <laughs> as as an indication that one day there will be a new world order being brought about yeah in the usual usual way we'll hide it in plain sight and yeah and hopefully somebody stood up and going no that was completely made up i, <laughs> I, I wrote that that was, that was made up what what yeah. i am actually surprised that i haven't seen anything about so far yeah. is there is a there is a self-published book called the omicron conspiracy ah. from a few years ago yeah which is which is about a um, mission to mars and in fact a totalitarian state um, on on Mars, that's uh, kind of survived by several women. So um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm shocked that no, I haven't Musk. seen anything yet yeah. that that, yeah. that uh, ties that into these things. How has Elon um, Musk got away? As a as a side, <laughs> how has Elon Musk got away with not being tied up with any conspiracy? Being the richest man, why Bill Gates? Is it because Bill Gates gives away a lot of his money? Is that why he's seen as being suspicious? Whereas Elon, it, Elon Musk will. But, you know, piss it up the wall. I think it's because he's not embraced by the left. Yeah. I think that's what it is, because the left thinks he's a dick as well. Yeah. So there's no joy that the right would have in in claiming he's a a globalist satanic paedophile. Whereas Bill Gates or Hillary Clinton, they can, you know... Get some liberal tears out of it as well. Exactly, I think. I mean, well, yeah. that's the that's the the, the probably the uh, impetus behind the likes of Candace Owens is actually to just yeah whether they believe all this rhetoric or whether they're just jumping on it's an opportunity to do down the opposition. Actually, and, and what they're doing is fear mongering the voters in order to vote Republican next yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, it's not ushering in a totalitarian... That's <laughs> that's ushering in a totalitarian <laughs> New World Order. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, there's there's also yeah. um, a uh, a claim that the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell sex trafficking trial is somehow tied in what? to the... To the to the Omicron hysteria. Um, okay. It was uh, Rogan O'Handley, a US conservative influencer, who said, right. uh, if you think the Omicron hysteria popping up two days before the Ghislaine Maxwell trial starts is just a coincidence, oh, then you don't know who she was trafficking underage girls to. There isn't... I don't... Okay. I mean, I don't have the don't. full <laughs> yeah. information on that, but I don't know what the... I don't know. What, I don't know how that could is? be linked. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, right, well, who... So it, <laughs> who who do, who would they need to be? For, I don't that, know. That's the thing. Sense? I I mean, 
even let's say it was Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates, all of them, okay. like all of the, the like and George Soros, right? Yeah. How would Omicron have any effect on that? Yeah, yeah. The trial's still going ahead. That's are they thinking maybe it's taken the trial off the front pages or something like that? And so, so when it comes out in the trial that she's trafficking children to Hillary Clinton, no one will notice because it was on page two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because someone comes on the front. That's how the internet works, right? There's That's page it. one and page two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And nobody reads anything beyond the, <laughs> the shouty bits at the front. Yeah. That, Don't know uh, how that hell. works. But yeah. No, and that kind of the fact that just if you think it's just a coincidence, <laughs> and even coincidence is in inverted commas, then and why is it inverted commas? If it's a, just a coincidence, anything coincidences, we're back to Q posts, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you just are just asking questions, but <laughs> the Alex Jones just asking questions, and the, and Marjorie Taylor Greene's got to be in in this thing. What's she talking about? What's she talking about? <laughs> Oh right, many many clinical trials are proven ivermectin to be safe. Oh, okay, so this new one is to is to divert away from ivermectin. Yeah, the theory behind that is somehow that the South African population has embraced ivermectin, which right. isn't true. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would and, it and would need to be in order yeah, for that to and, be, and that's why they yeah. haven't up to now had as much problem right. with COVID, which also isn't true. Um, yeah, uh, and so therefore this has been introduced somehow to to get the people who had ivermectin. I don't know, which it isn't right. doing because because. No. Because it isn't having a, such a significant effect, although it's having an effect in South Africa. Um, the the thing is, the South African population is way younger, certainly than yeah. than our population, the UK and and the US one as well, on average. Mm -hmm. So, um, while it seemingly uh, was at least identified there first, doesn't necessarily mean it originated there by any means. But um, but we can't look at their progression and map that to our population. By any means, the yeah. South African yeah. average age in yeah. South Africa is twenty-seven, uh, well, whereas ours is over forty. Yeah. So. So actually, the um, you know that report from the GP saying actually it's having very little effect. It that might just be true of all the variants in that population. It, yeah, I mean, it's it seems like one of the things that again very early days but the the early data seems to suggest that it, it is having more of an effect on younger people oh. uh, not necessarily more of an effect than it has on older people but more of an effect than than other variants more right. it's infecting more younger people yeah yeah uh, whereas delta has skewed older um and and in fact i mean we just the the milestone of uh, one in every 100 americans over 65 has died wow. from covid over the last two years um yeah so uh but it uh, part of the reason for that is is that older people are at much higher risk of yeah. of the previous yeah. variants that may not turn out to be true from this one uh equally it may mean that this one if as i, I said this to my daughter the other the other day if this turns out to be way more transmissible but mm. way less severe way less problematic for most people yeah 
it could be the beginning of the end of COVID. If this, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. if this, you know, if people can essentially achieve herd immunity with no, with with much less significant health problems, mm. maybe less long COVID, less hospitalizations, less deaths, but you know, a larger number of people infected in a way that then gives them some immunity against other variants. Yeah. You know, it's a big if. Yeah. Um, but if that were to happen, that would potentially be a good thing. We are such a long way off knowing any of that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we do know is all of these are conspiracy theories. And there's one of them that just straight out says that vaccines are what caused Omicron. Yeah, yeah. That's- you kind of think uh, that yeah. took a while. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, yeah. Obviously, people are sifting through. They're going, okay, we've had aliens. We've had Bill Gates. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, nobody's got that one. I'll have that. I'll use yeah, that. Yeah. I'll use that. Ha ha. And if, and if it, given that this report that we're kind of basing this find these findings on, they're talking about how many times these posts get shared. That yeah. seems to be entirely <laughs> what it's about. You know, yeah. it's that kind of It's all about going viral these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note brilliant. <laughs> and finally some things we really don't have time to talk about. Trump's former chief of staff Mark Meadows is about to go through some stuff. The House voted last night to hold Meadows in contempt of Congress and refer him to the Justice Department for a potential criminal charge. The vote was, shockingly, largely along party lines, with only Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger joining the Democrats and the rest of the Republicans remaining staunchly pro-obstruction. Meadows went on Sean Hannity's show and claimed, This isn't about me, it's about continuing to go after Trump. Yeah, no shit, because Trump's actions caused January 6th and you refused to tell everyone what happened. Well, that's not entirely fair. Meadows has been quite open in his book about the fact that Trump tested positive for COVID three days before his debate with Biden and lied about it, meeting with around 500 people in the next few days, including Gold Star families, who Trump later implied gave him COVID. Meadows claims that this was in fact a false positive and it's pure coincidence that a week later Trump was rushed to Walter Reed Medical Centre. According to the book, while in Walter Reed, his oxygen levels dropped to 86%, which is not great for an old obese guy like Trump, and it coincided with Trump's physician, Sean Connolly, telling everyone that he was doing great. Here at Fallacious Trump, we never tire of hearing about the devoted and meticulous work of the monitoring authorities tracking down voter fraud and other deliberate attempts to undermine the US election system, especially when the frauds being discovered are those for Trump, and even better when they are registered Republicans and the cherry on the top, it's in Florida, Trump's backyard. Some of Trump's fellow septuagenarian retiree community, Joan Holstead, Jay Ketchik, and John Ryder all voted in person and then by mail absentee vote from out of state. Even calm, moderate, progressive, centrist Ron DeSantis' office had to admit multiple voting is unlawful. (laughs) It isn't a crime to be registered to vote in more than one state as long as you only vote in one. And so Joe wins again by even more. And, of course, the Republicans can't call off the election investigations in case they come across that massive cache of thousands of lost votes for Trump that Rudy's always banging on about, which is classic gambler's addiction. You could probably get treatment for that under Biden's increased care package. (laughs) 
Before deciding to get all contempty, Mark Meadows provided the January 6th committee with a few documents that have been making the news a bit this week. The first was a PowerPoint laying out various plans for stealing the election from Biden by decertifying the results. We saw a lot of it in the John Eastman memo, to be honest, but I expect the PowerPoint version had some cool animations and clip art to keep Trump entertained while they explained it to him. Also released and recently read aloud by Liz Cheney are multiple text messages from people like Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram and Brian Kilmeade, sent during the insurrection, begging Meadows to convince Trump to tell his people to go home and stop attacking democracy. If only they had some other way of getting a message to the then-president who was definitely glued to the coverage on Fox at the time. Instead, they all spent the following year claiming it wasn't that big a deal, it was nothing to do with Trump, and most of them were probably Antifa or BLM or FBI agents anyway. Marjorie Taylor Greene has since claimed that all these people begging Trump to step in proves he's innocent of any wrongdoing, which, I mean... Hmm. Huh? (laughs) Even Don Jr. texted Meadows to say he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. He has to lead now. It's gone too far and gotten out of hand. Frankly, I'm surprised that Don Jr. even realised it was bad and not at all surprised to learn that he doesn't have his dad's cell phone number. (laughs) Increasingly on the hook for millions in lawsuit damages, surreal undercover performance artist Alex Jones shouted the weather on his show yesterday. So they just think you're stupid and they don't want you knowing they're doing all of this and they got carbon systems they are putting in that big, huge geoengineering systems, terraforming systems that are sucking carbon dioxide out of the air when it's a trace gas that we need. And it was hundreds of times higher millions of years ago than it is now. That's why plants and animals were so much bigger and healthier. But we've adapted to live in less air. This is insane, ladies and gentlemen. Whilst it sounds terrifically Trump-like in its assertions, it at least contains one truth. It is insane. Mm -hmm. Amusing, but insane. Though to be fair, to be able to grab something as abstract as the weather and twist it sufficiently to be the fault of the government along the lines of how could the government forecast deadly tornadoes with such accuracy if it didn't know they were coming? Well, that's genius. Well, no, I'll take that back because Marjorie Taylor Greene says the fire that burned down paradise in 2018, remember Trump visited and bemoaned that the terrific town of pleasure had been incinerated. Apparently, that was caused by a space laser involving the Rothschilds to build a high-speed rail system. Yep. Gizmodo.com's Brian Carr muses on how he would use such weather weapons for good whereas I'd use them to blast a big light behind Jones and Green to shine through their skulls and show just how empty of anything except narcissism they are. While the Supreme Court is still deciding whether to effectively overturn Roe v Wade, California Governor Gavin Newsom announced at the weekend a plan to test their resolve by crafting a new gun control bill, allowing Californians to sue, quote, anyone who manufactures, distributes or sells an assault weapon or ghost gun kit or parts, for damages of at least $10,000 plus court costs. Well, that's a novel mechanism that means the Supreme Court definitely won't be able to enjoin the law, even if it is totally unconstitutional, right? Yeah, I'm glad someone's giving it a go, but I kind of feel they'll manage to find a way around the obvious hypocrisy of it all. Watch this space to find out exactly how this one weird trick will fail. Robin Abkarian in the LA Times noted that Devin Nunez, the thin-skinned dairy farmer who has filed defamation lawsuits against the Washington Post, CNN, Hearst, NBC, McClatchy and someone pretending to be his cow on Twitter, is quitting Congress to run former President Trump's new social media company. 
Recently, wrote the man who co-sponsored the Discouraging Frivolous Lawsuits Act, I was presented with a new opportunity to fight for the most important issues I believe in. What might those be? He didn't bother to say. Robin's guess is that there are only two. One, the restoration of the Trump administration, and two, maintaining employment. Since he may be redistricted out of his comfortable Republican seat and actually have to work for votes, something he's not had to do much in recent years despite having not held a town hall debate in over a decade. Perhaps we don't know something Nunes does, but giving up the possibility of chairing the Ways and Means Committee if the Republicans win back the House next year to work for Trump seems a little bold, shall we say? Knowing what we do know, that Trump is a litigious son of a bitch with a record of stiffing creditors and that Nunes is going to work for a guy whose post-presidency blog from the desk of Donald J. Trump flamed out after a month because no one read it, we're trying our hardest to stifle laughs behind our hand as we wave Devin goodbye. A judge in California has ruled that school holiday displays can include Christmas trees but not menorahs as Christmas trees are no longer a purely religious symbol. I feel like the people at Fox News would probably like the outcome of the case, if not the judge's reasoning, and they're pretty sure that the 49-year-old man experiencing mental health issues as well as homelessness who set light to their giant Christmas tree was committing a hate crime against Christians. Ainsley Earhart took it even further, saying, It's a tree that unites us, that brings us together. It's about the Christmas spirit. It's about the holiday season. It's about Jesus. It's about Hanukkah. No, no, it isn't. (laughs) The Fox Brigade spent the next day and a half bemoaning the loss of their fake tree. Perennial Jen Psaki punching bag Peter Doocy even tried to somehow blame Biden and revealed that the tree had cost half a million dollars. Half a million for a fake tree. At this point, I'd be looking at the Murdoch family because it's beginning to look a lot like an insurance job to me. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas is coming and Covid's getting worse. Or is it? Deputy Prime Minister and recently demoted idiot Dominic Raab said there were 250 people hospitalised with the Omicron variant. Turns out there are nine. Or maybe it's the ten, he said later. And as every Christmas, our thoughts turn to last Christmas, when it turns out Boris hosted a works party at number ten, mere days after he had cancelled Christmas and made gatherings of more than one household illegal. He, of course, denied it, saying all guidance was followed, and other MPs even chimed in, saying they didn't know whether it had happened at all, but if it had, it didn't break the rules. Boris then added he's been constantly assured there was no party and no COVID rules were broken, a subtle change in language allowing others to be resigned under the bus if things come to light. His then press secretary, Allegra Stratton, resigned as things, a recording from last Christmas of practice presser deciding on what to say if asked about the Christmas party, came to light. But it's all okay now because Boris has asked for an official investigation by the Cabinet Secretary into the entirety of the matter, which is pretty much asking him to see if anything he, Boris, has been saying was actually ever true. To distract us from this, he went on TV late on Sunday to tell us Plan B was being triggered, which meant more public restrictions and working from home put in place again to prevent having to cancel Christmas this year. When it came to actual Parliament having something to say about this, Boris suffered his greatest rebellion when 101 of his own MPs failed to back the measures. Also recently, traces of Class A drugs were found in the House of Commons, mostly on ancient toilet system lids. To distract us from this, Boris dressed up as a laughing policeman and went on a raid of a house of someone suspected of using Class A drugs. And surprisingly, it wasn't Michael Gove. 
No one was convinced by this distraction, least of all the sniffer dogs who just looked suspiciously at the fat oaf in the cop jacket. Meanwhile, the by-election for a hitherto safe Tory seat in Shropshire happens this week and it looks dangerously like all this sleaze and scandal is cutting through to voters, except to a few staunch devotees who will still vote for Boris, dismissing all this last year's Christmas party nonsense as raking up the past. And these are the same people who are glad we reverted feet and inches, pounds and ounces, rationing and blackouts, sing virulent songs around the Christmas tree and hang their Winston Churchill stockings on the hearth whilst paying no heed to the lesson offered by the first of Dickens's ghosts. Merry bloody Christmas, everyone. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used the fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a great time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patron, Andrew Hawke. Our strawman-level patrons, Kaz Tui, Stephen Bickle, Schmoots, Mark Reiki, and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman-level patrons, Max Beaver, and our top patron, Lauren. Thanks very much for all your support, people. We really do appreciate it. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outburst and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. (laughs) And finally, some things we really don't have time to think about. No, 